0: This episode of adventures and being gifted
1: it's okay to be different you are different for a reason because so many things you are doing you're doing them to fit in but you're not supposed to fit in take your time be patient and be okay being different
0: that and a whole lot more coming up And welcome to the Adventures and Being Gifted podcast. I'm Jill Hartsock, and I'm
2: Jessica Mullen.
0: And we're two experienced gifted teachers and your hosts.
2: This podcast is a place for parents, educators, and students living the gifted adventure to hear stories, practical tips, and deep dive into relevant topics related to being gifted. So come along for another Adventures and Being Gifted episode. Today, our guest is Javaris Powell, an elementary principal in an award-winning suburban public school district here in Ohio. Javaris officially began his career in education in the Washington, D.C. area, where he taught fourth grade, fifth grade, and middle school. He then transitioned into running a STEAM lab for K-8 students before becoming district and school administrator. Javaris is a husband, a father of two little ones, and a cat and a current elementary school principal. Welcome, Javaris.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure joining you all.
0: That's right. We are super excited to have you on our episode today to discuss gifted characteristics and what it's like being a grown-up gifted kid, as we've coined you. (laughs) But first, (laughs) you got to tell us about the weightlifting. How's it going? Oh,
1: the weightlifting. (laughs) Uh, Most days it goes well. There are others where I do not push myself as much as I probably should. But most days we're doing pretty good.
0: So the rumor at the gym is that you can hold a wall sit for a really long time. You want to tell us your record, your PR?
1: Long time is relative. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Current PR is three minutes, 30 seconds with a 25 pound plate.
0: Wow. That's way longer of a PR than mine.
1: Well. I'll keep that quiet. <laughs> Fair <laughs> I'm enough. I'm about
0: half that.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So we're going to jump right in. Can you tell us, as you decided to become an elementary teacher or get into the world of education, what was your why? Why? What led you into this career?
1: There are a few different things. Uh, one would be just different life experiences, and um, what really changed it for me was uh, my last probably two years of high school, Uh, primarily my senior year of high school when I went in to have a conversation with uh, my high school guidance counselor. And she advised me that I should not uh, set my sights on attending a four-year university. Hmm. And that was a stark difference to a conversation I'd been having with one of my teachers that I'd actually had for my again my senior year and my junior year, where he said, Hey, Javaris, I actually referred to me as Brother Powell. He said, Brother Powell, college is gonna be good for you. And at that point, college was not on my radar. I wasn't not on my radar. It's just not I wasn't thinking that far ahead just yet. And he explained that college is different from high school and and he talked about how good it was. Another thing that actually helped at that time was not just Mr. Owens, who I absolutely love and I had a uh, honor of actually sharing a little bit of this story that I'm sharing with you all—the impact he had on my life. I saw him a couple of years, no, last year before um, uh, things shut down for the pandemic, and I shared with him the impact he had on my life. And here's what he did: he said, "College will be will be good for you." So again, that contrasted what my high school guidance counselor said, and that was um, that happened at a time where I was actually going in this a senior year to have a conversation with her about our next steps. I'd watched some things that were happening around me, where she would pull some other students in for the standardized test prep. I was not one of those students who was pulled in, and I found one of the flyers or saw one of the flyers. I can't remember how discovered it. And my dad said, "Oh no, we're going. I'm going to take you up there. We're going to go." I said, "Okay." I said, "You need to register. You're going to go." Okay, done. So, dad did whatever he needed to do to adjust his work schedule. We were there for it and I signed up, I took the test, did the test prep and all the other pieces and, um, <laughs> and went in to have the conversation with my counselor about next steps. And without her assistance, I'd gone in, I'd received my transcripts cause we we're going through that whole piece. I got my transcripts and I'd contacted, um, my university, and worked my way into a uh, scholarship where I run the numbers. So based on my my standardized test score that I took once and probably should not have done things I did before going into the test because I didn't study a whole bunch and I was out up much later than I probably should have been the night before taking the test. Did well enough that I had a score that qualified me for a... At that time, it was a half scholarship that covered half tuition, half room and board, and half something else. And I ran the numbers like, well, I live 20 minutes away from from school. If I run the numbers and I look at this, well, if they cover all of my tuition, I can stay home. So I went and shared that revelation with my guidance counselor, and that was a conversation where she... Before knowing that, she said, well, you know, you should really look at the, universe, the, the community college. That will probably be more up your your path. And it's like, you know, your kind really doesn't do well at four-year universities. Wow. So I was blown away. And that really uh, set me back a little bit. And I later learned, I would say probably 10, 15 years later, that I wasn't the only person that she'd had that conversation with. So for about 10 to 15 years, I thought it was just me. And it was, it was interesting, again, looking at that, and I, I can't say that she was wrong because I didn't, I didn't always apply myself. And like thinking through um, some things I've learned about myself, I wasn't applying myself because a part of it was I was trying to fit in. And that was an interesting conversation I had with her when I presented not only my acceptance letter, but also my sheet that she needed to sign to show that I qualified for a full scholarship. And that was not something that um, that she was excited about, which was, again, interesting as an, edu- an edu- educator. She wasn't excited about that. But I'm so thankful for Mr. Owens, for Mr., Ms. Uh, Doris Compeer, who at that time was my speech and debate coach, because my senior year, I played football. So I had football games on Friday nights and then speech and debate Saturday mornings. So I was moving slowly on both of those days. Uh, but that was great because I walked that line of quote unquote, athlete, and also what was some dubbed at that time, nerd. And it was interesting living in both of those worlds and seeing it from both perspectives. And I would say I was much more of a nerd than an athlete, probably still am right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is why we've coined you a grown-up gifted kid.
1: <laughs> well, that piece you said, you coined that, and that is not a label I'd ever ascribe to myself, never. Never. Uh, at that time, my school we didn't have we didn't have a gifted program or well, if we did, I didn't know about it, but I don't think we did. So that was not something I ever associated with me. It wasn't until you mentioned it. I was like oh, what was it like? And I was like, I don't have that I don't have a gifted experience to speak of because I didn't travel that pathway
0: well that is that is a shock to me because knowing you and your interests and your hobbies and the things that you do. Totally speaks to a lot of these gifted characteristics that Judy Galbraith talks about in her book, um, The Gifted Kids Survival Guide. So with that being said, go ahead and tell us about yourself as a student. So you're telling us that you weren't involved in any gifted program officially or that you knew of. Um, What about AP classes in high school? Like, What kind of student were you?
1: I was a relatively good student good, again, looking at how we want to to label it. With regards to academics, I did I did well. I was one-tenth of a point, and I'm not better at all, one-tenth of a point from graduating with honors in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and some of that, I mean, that really came from, again, not applying and not doing my best. Part of the reason for doing that was trying to fit in with some of my friends and that I would go through, I would read the studies. I would, I would, do all the assignments, but in some cases, my friends, they didn't do it. So I pretended I didn't do it either. And I would routinely sit in class and have the answer, but not raise my hand to say anything. I would just write it down on a slip of paper and then just check myself when the said, oh, is that the right answer? Yes. Okay, good. And so I didn't want, I was again, trying to fit in with uh, with some of my friends, which was not the best thing. And But even with that, again, what kind of student? I think back to G.I. Joe, and there are some who, who, who may hear this and know that I'm really into comics and cartoons and such. I remember watching G.I. Joe and writing down the words that they would say that I didn't know and then looking them up and trying to apply them in my writing for the next week in class. So I was like, okay, what, what did Cobra Commander say this week? I got to write them down. I got to have my list here ready. So I did, I would go through and apply them. So when we would go through to write, my teachers would sometimes say like, where did you learn that word? It's like cartoons. And she didn't believe me. I was like, no, I learned this from Voltron or from G.I. Joe or from Thundercats or whatever I was watching at the time. Because if, again, if I ran across a term, I would write it down. And for young listeners, I would look it up in the dictionary I would go to the library, get it, or use the the old library we had in our home, and I would spell the word as best I could and look it up and try to apply that word as many times as I could in my writing and in my life and a few other places and going through. So that was, that was the kind of student I was.
0: Wow. Well, tell us a little bit more about Mr. Owens. I know you mentioned him um, a few minutes ago, but you also had told me previously a story about how he kind of caught on to your intelligence Tell us a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> I think he may have caught on to some of the cartoons. I don't know. Um, Mr. Owens, he, and I don't know how it happened, but he created this communication system with me. And again, I don't know if he may have had other systems with other students, but it resonated with me And that he would mention different people. He was like, you know, I had a conversation with Brother Plato the other night. I'm like, what? So then I would write down Plato, and then he would mention – the uh, the book or the excerpt that he read, then I would go to the library on my break and search the card catalog, dating myself here, go to the card catalog and search for those pieces and read through them and then apply them in class. And, then, and, and it hit my papers to him. I would always reference whoever, Plato, Aristotle, Aristophanes, any of those folks, I would reference it in my writing and then he would give me someone else. So we developed this system where I was now thinking back on it, he was giving me extra assignments without telling me that he was giving me extra assignments. But I would go through and I would do it and incorporate it into my writing, not only in his class, but also in other classes so that uh, it helped to actually keep me engaged in other classes. So I was bringing in what I was getting from cartoons, from Mr. Owens, and a few other different places and, and making it all work for me. And he was one Who really encouraged me and again gave me the boost I needed to say that college would be okay. Another thing that also helped, and it was great that I had Mr. Owens at this time, there was a show called A Different World that was airing. And it was, it took place at a fictional, historically black college or university, not sure which one it was. And it was on the show, it was called Hillman, but it was, I'm sure, based on a a real HBCU. So having Mr. Owens at that time and watching a different world and seeing people who look like me, uh, excelling academically and being proud of it actually helped a whole bunch. So I think if without the combination of those two, I mean, who knows where I would have been, but then I also had great parents who also pushed me where my mom would actually send me to school with extra books. And say, all right, well, here's the assignment you have to do. Like, mom, I have other assignments in school. Oh, no, no. You're going to do this one as well. So she also encouraged me. This It was the same thing in the summer where I I, d- I didn't have summers off. She gave me assignments to complete and I had to do those assignments in the summer and also throughout the rest of the year. She's a smart woman. A very smart Wise. woman. <laughs> Wise. My dad would also do the same thing. When he would travel, uh, he would bring back books and I would read the book and he would quiz me on the books. And to this day... I am decades old and my dad will quiz me. He'll go through and he's, oh, have you read this or that? Yeah, dad, I have. And he would quiz me on that. This actually happened a couple of years ago where I mentioned, I asked him if he read some magazine article or newspaper article or something. And there was a quiz in the newspaper. So he started asking me the questions on the quiz. It's like, really dad, we're doing this now? Yes. And my wife didn't believe that that actually happened until she saw it real time. She's like, oh, no, you didn't make that up. I am like, no, this is real. This is my life. This is how I grew up with my dad quizzing me at any moment, which I loved. It was great.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, you totally just answered who and what are your biggest influences in your life and how that has led you to be who you are today. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mom, dad, Mr. Owens takes a village.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I had a wonderful village and it, it, it was a little bit larger than those folks who just mentioned, but I grew up in a small town in Mississippi and it was absolutely a village. It was, it's one where my some of my elementary and high school teachers taught my parents and my uncles. Wow. So they knew me before I knew me and i was a part of that village where the the expectations were high again not just from the teachers but also just from the community it was you represent us so we're going to make sure that we push you to do well here
2: awesome well it sounds just in these like tiny bits of information you've given us about yourself that you definitely were a gifted child whether you were identified or not by your school system, or by any form of test. We gave you a book called The Gifted Student Survival Guide by Judy Galbraith, who we always recommend this book to our students and our families. Um, So after reading it, tell us, as you were reading it, what kind of popped out to you, and you were like, wow, that is a gifted characteristic I have. Or what kind of changed your perspective about yourself as you kind of became more informed through this book?
1: Wow. Well, I would say it made me think a lot about some experiences I had growing up where I felt different, but I didn't know what was different or why. So this answered a lot of questions for me that would have been helpful years ago, (laughs) but it's still good to have them now because prior to having a conversation with you all, when you all asked about being gifted, I was like, I don't, know what you mean, I didn't have that experience. But then going through reading this book, I was like, well, maybe I am. <laughs> A- and the main thing for me that it actually helped was like, hey, this is okay. And looking on page 14, like part about, the 14 of the copy of the copy I'm reading here, There are many different ways of being gifted, and I looked through some of them. I was like, okay, well, yeah, maybe that's... Performing arts. uh, Maybe performing (laughs) arts. Maybe. Maybe a few others. I don't know about academics, but usually. Creative thinking, because in a former life, I I I wanted to be a writer and... Leadership. Leadership. You are
2: one of our leaders.
1: I I am. I am.
0: I'm even going to throw out the body kinesthetic intelligence. Can't you do a pike?
1: Uh, Most days, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now add the weightlifting. You've got it. (laughs) Check that box.
1: Yeah, the one that actually stood out to me was uh, actually with the multiple intelligences, with just thinking about Howard Gardner's work. As I shared earlier with my fascination for words and hearing them in cartoons, words were my first love, and I really enjoy words and Learning about them and learning about their origins and looking at the impact that words can have, positive or negative, which is one of the reasons I love reading and writing, because it's all about the way that we can use words to help others.
0: All right. So now that you've been learning more about yourself through this lens of what we would say the gifted characteristics, what would you say to your childhood or high school self?
1: I would look me, young me, younger me, and the face and I would say, it's okay to be different. You are different for a reason. Because so so many of the things, I'm going to talk to me now. So many things you are doing, you're doing them to fit in, but you're not supposed to fit in. Hmm. Take your time, be patient, and be okay being different.
0: And how would you describe yourself as being different?
1: <laughs> uh, so remember I said I went to the library on my, yeah. some of my breaks? So I taught myself to read in, upside down uh, because I ran across an article where it talked about how reading upside down builds comprehension skills because you're encoding and decoding the text in a few different ways. So I taught myself to read upside down. At how old? Probably sophomore year in high school. And so I would you know, sit and read um, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau and read it upside down. i was like, oh, this is cool. So I was encoding the font and switching in it and then going through and I would reread it to make sure that what I read made sense as I was learning the to teach myself to do that. And it actually helped. But then I would go back and read the text because oftentimes I process text on in books based on either the page number or where it is on that page. One of my um, loves, and you talked about motivations earlier or influences, Alex Trebek was also a major influence because I I loved watching Jeopardy. And I would sometimes sit with some of my older relatives because at that time, and maybe still still now, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy were clustered. So you'd watch mm-hmm. one and I would always ask them to leave. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I would always ask to watch Jeopardy. And they're like, wait, if you go on to watch Jeopardy, you also have to watch Wheel of Fortune with us. <laughs> okay. And done. So I liked, again, watching Jeopardy and watching Alex. One, because Alex had all the answers, all of them, and all <laughs> the great jokes. But on, I think it's page 80 of his um of his autobiography, he talks about courage. And he talks about how courage is when you actually have an option to do something different or to do the right thing and you choose to do it. Mm. And he said that because people were talking to him about how courageous he was in the face of his illness that actually ended up taking his life. And he said, I'm not courageous because I don't have a choice in this matter. Being courageous is when you have a choice and then when you do step up to do the right thing. So I also uh, pull Alex Trebek in as being part of my village look nice. and looking at that piece as well.
2: Very cool. All right. So kind of flipping back to you being a leader um, as a principal, um, we probably work with a lot of gifted educators and not that they teach gifted, but they are gifted themselves and may not know it just like you didn't know it. So what would you want to take away from what you've learned about yourself, maybe through this book or just through, you know, conversations with us, um, that you want them to know about what you've learned? What would you teach others now that you have learned yourself?
1: I would say again, that it's okay to be different. And be patient with some of our children who may present what some may say are challenges, thinking back on me and looking at me like I remember in elementary school when we had word problems to solve, I would like cross out the the names and I would write Optimus Prime or (laughs) Starscream or some of the other folks and write their names in to make it relevant for me. So I would say find different ways that we can make the learning relevant. And when our children do things that we may not understand, ask them why, because we may be really fascinated to learn like, Oh, well, that's great. Well, can you teach that to five other people and explain that to them and explain that piece to them and, and help them to understand Something in a different way that just because they're doing it differently doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. An example of that: one of my teachers in uh, in high school was really patient. And again, looking at the the nerd slash athlete side of me, uh, there was a time where I wanted to really pursue track and field, and I took two math classes so that I would have a, a block later or block free in my senior year. So I ended up taking geometry and algebra two the same year. Of course you're supposed to take one and then go into the other. But I had algebra two first, then geometry. And what I see what I mean first is first bell, I had algebra two, second bell I had geometry. And going in, I got the things in algebra two but I didn't have the foundation that I actually needed for geometry. So I would like approach it in some ways that was backwards, but it actually ended up working because I do remember my geometry teacher, we were going over theorems and looking at, I I can't remember exactly the concept, but we'd gone through it. This is what she said. This could have been just motivation. I don't know. But she said that I presented a way of looking at or solving one of the problems that she had never seen in mathematics, and she branded it with my name and in the theorem. So she started teaching it <laughs> as part of her lesson. Wow! <laughs> so, 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 so this was—I liked it, but I did like some of the attention in that some of my friends would say, "Oh, well, we we learned your theorem today." Like, what do you mean? Like, oh no, no, we learned the theorem that Ms. Davis, I'm making up name now, taught us, and she used to say, you came up with it. So I didn't like that attention because there were others who were like, oh, well, look at the dirty guy who came up with this thing. But it was a different way of going through and solving it. And initially, it was me trying to figure it out because I was approaching it with the algebra two lens instead of with the geometry lens. And it actually lent itself to, again, uncovering it in a way that actually made sense. And she said she tried to work it out a few different ways. And each time she did it, it worked. I don't remember any of it right now. <laughs> I wish I did, <laughs> but it was that was something that that shined as a, as a way that she didn't just write it off and say, oh, "No, you have to do it the way that I'm telling you to do it." She gave me the flexibility to go in to try it, um, and that actually worked not just for me. When I again thinking about it, it worked for my peers as well because some of them were also able to apply that way of learning that I discovered.
2: The power of educators, tell you what. (laughs) Yes. All right, so final thoughts on anything you'd like to add about being gifted, gifted education, gifted characteristics. Final thoughts.
1: Final thoughts would be that it's okay, again, to be different and seek out, like in the the text, uh, Auntie Judy, and I'm calling her Auntie, she's now my Auntie. Auntie Judy mentions finding people who are like you. And yeah. that was the key. And I found people who are like me through the television show A Different World. I eventually found people like me also through some, some, a few other friends I met in high school and in college. And that worked. And some of my longtime friends from high school welcomed some of those quirky things about me. And that was good because I welcomed those things in them as well. So it was one where we were able to to nerd out about some of the same yet different things. And it was okay and it was accepted. And that was awesome. And we still do that now. And a few years ago, I traveled to Dallas and I ended up hanging out with some of my friends. And he's such a history buff. And we were traveling throughout Dallas and he was pointing out different buildings. I, I just didn't know all of it. And I'd forgotten that he was such a history buff. And it took me back to years ago when we used to to get into debates because we would of course we would read and we would go through a debate, like, no, you're right, you're wrong, I'm right. And it was great to have that conversation because it was a bit of nostalgia and reconnected me to years past when I discovered my team. Mm.
0: That is so great. All right, Javaris, how many books are you reading in about a week or two <laughs> or a month? Dep- I'm really
1: curious. It it depends. So I have my backpack actually next to me and I am currently reading uh four books, no. five books cuz I I'm, I also am doing an audiobook. So five right now. So I set timers to go through each book and and read them like the the Gifted Sur- Survivor Guide, that was my book to read this weekend. So I read that one. Then I pivoted to another. So I have to jump back and forth with Tina. So you, I'm usually reading at least two books at a time.
0: Okay. Do you use anything like Goodreads to keep track of your books and review them?
1: No. Not, no, not Do usually. They just go on your shelf. They, yeah, they go on my shelf. Uh, or, of course, you know, with many things being uh, digital now, so they're in my library on my phone but no, I, I usually, again, like thinking about writing, if I'm writing something, I'll usually try to incorporate something that I'm reading in my writing, whether it's, it's a newsletter for school or something, I try to work it in. Like I recall one of my newsletters for school where, uh, where my children were reading the Gigantosaurus – oh, no, reading, watching the Gigantosaurus television series, and I, I try to work it into a, an applicable message for families. So I try to do that. That's my way of cataloging what I've read and and applying it and using it in some of my writing somewhere.
0: Wow. Well, Javaris, we appreciate you being here so much. Thank you just a million times for being here and taking the time out of your day, your busy schedule of your summer, and all of that time that you put into thinking about this. So we really appreciate it. And of course, we loved hearing your thoughts on being a grown-up gifted
1: kid. Well, I thank you for labeling me a grown-up gifted kid because, again, you answered <laughs> questions for me that I wish I'd known a much long time ago. But this is, again, this is great because it helped me to understand some things about myself, even at this stage of my life. It was helpful.
0: We're glad to hear that. My glad pleasure. to help.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All
0: right. Thank you. What we do is we come up with
3: a bunch of different
2: Welcome to the segment Student Voices, where we are passing them the mic to share about their gifted adventures.
0: Hi, everybody. Our guest is the aspiring author and podcaster, El Riva. Elle is a former third grade student of mine and is now in eighth grade. What in the world, girl? How did that happen? I can't believe it. (laughs) I can't either. I bet your parents can't either. (laughs) Elle is here with us talking about her own gifts and talents as a writer and her newest venture of hosting her own podcast called Write That
3: Down. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. You are welcome. Welcome.
2: Wow, Elle, you are out there writing and publishing and creating your own podcast, and you are only 13 years old. Tell us to start us off a fun blooper moment from your podcast. Write that down.
3: I have this really bad habit of saying the word so before I say a sentence. Mm. For example, it'll be like, so what does your process look like? <laughs> and then every single time I do it, my dad gives me this look and it's like, I have to edit this out again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's probably had to do it and edit it out so many times. <laughs>
0: I love it. We all have our little things that we want to like improve. That's an awesome small story. Okay, El. So from the time that I met you as a little third grader in the gifted program and all through the years that you've been on the same DI destination imagination team as my son to now being an eighth grader, you have always possessed this confidence and this charisma and this strong ability to speak and give presentations. So tell us how you discovered your talent and passion for writing.
3: I've always really liked language arts. Um, My mom's a teacher. And so from a super young age, I learned to read. And so reading has always been a big part of my life. But in fourth grade, the year after I was in your class, Rob came after we read Because of Mr. Terept. And he came and told about, told his process of how he writes books, and that oh. just fascinated me and I realized that that's what I wanted to do too. So were you given a lot of opportunities to just free write or write creatively? Sometimes, like in class, if I have an extra minute, I'll write something or like that's mostly what I do is I'll either read a book or write. I probably look like a huge dork, but it's okay. <laughs> it's fun and, it and it's is entertaining okay. <laughs>
2: for sure we are proud of that dorkiness. <laughs> All right. So along your journey as the last 13 years, so what or who has influenced you to lead you where you are today?
3: Definitely my family, like my dad, he's always provided this safe space for me to try whatever I wanted to try. And my mom got me into language arts and reading and all that. And so I have to thank her for that too. My brother, he pursues everything with his music, like his trumpet. And he went to Carnegie Hall with the boy choir. And that was really fun to see. And MJ, my younger sister, she said no to nothing. Like she will go and try every new sport, every new food. She'll just go and do it. And I kind of want that confidence to portray into my writing. Wow.
0: I can remember when your mom used to volunteer at the library and how she was always reading two or three books at a time. And then she would talk to the students and recommend books or comment on the books they were checking out on. So she has always been in the back of my mind to be reading and reading and reading. So thanks, Jamie, for inspiring all of us. (laughs) All right. So we first heard your chapter one or your pilot episode of Write That Down, your own podcast. And I have to tell you, I was floored. I was absolutely so proud of you, so impressed, so inspired. And just, it just left me like feeling just happy and joyful. And I was like, this is awesome. So I started passing around. I started sharing it with everybody I knew and just really, truly found inspiration in what you were doing to kind of start this, Adventures in Being oh Gifted. Gosh. So uh, I just want to say thanks. I don't know if you knew that back backstory for this mm-hmm. podcast, but I just want to know, and we want to know, everybody wants to hear, what you did to kind of start or initiated your own podcast.
3: How did that come to be? It kind of was an accident. Like, my really? yeah, my dad brought home all this equipment. He needed to learn how to use it for a story that he was doing in his job, And he pulled my brother, my sister, and I all downstairs to the basement, and we just started playing around with these giant headphones on, this huge (laughs) microphone in front of us, and we were just talking and joking and having fun. And he said, Elle, you're having so much fun with this. Why not use it for what it's intended for and start a podcast? And I really didn't know what it would be about. Like, I just, like, I was passionate about a lot of things, but some of them I didn't know how long they'd be in my life for. But I realized that writing was something that I wanted to do forever. And so that's kind of how Write That Down was created. Oh,
0: my gosh. So did you start writing the script or did you just start speaking it and recording what you guys were talking about?
3: We kind of had like a plan. Like I'd make these Google Docs of a plan of what we wanted to talk about. But we never really scripted it because we wanted it to seem like real, like free flowing, like just all that energy that I want in my writing.
2: So whether you know it or not, you are truly a student leader and student leadership isn't for the faint of heart. So tell us how you've kind of overcome some of the challenges and kept creating and writing and podcasting and along the way, how, what are some of the challenges you've had?
3: I mean, I've had a lot of challenges. Like I'll come up with an idea that I think I'm really passionate about and I'll get like seven pages in and I realize that that's kind of not... And going in the direction that I want it to. So either I'll start over or start from scratch, try and find a new idea. And something that has helped me with the current story that I'm writing is my friends, because I'm co writing this one and I've never done that before. And it's really fun to co write with people that I absolutely adore. So my friend Avery, she was on my podcast. She's one of my biggest inspirations. And yesterday we were writing, actually. I think we hit like page 57 or something like that. Wow. But we just started, and it was so much fun. And we kind of hit this wall of writer's block, and we just didn't know what to do, what to write next. So we just started joking around, dancing around our room, like moving from our bed to our desk repeatedly until something sparked. And I'm just so glad that I have people like that who— can inspire me in that way where I can kind of just be happy.
2: I think adults need to take some tips on that (laughs) dancing strategy of yours. Oh, it's (laughs) it's awesome.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about what your story is about? Um, So it's kind of like a Hunger Games situation. So there are these assassins, and they all kind of wind them up in jail. It's a multiple perspective story, similar to Because of Mr. Terept. And so all of these... Assassins have to go into this hunger game situation called the Assassins of Frey to try and wipe out the evil population. And so they go through this journey with alliances and it's really cool and I really like it so far.
2: So when writing, do you always start with like the big picture and then kind of work out all the details as you go? Yes. So the plot I always kind the of, plot has been set. Yes. Okay. Do you know how it's gonna end? Uh, that
3: was my question. Yeah. I don't actually. I mean okay. we kind of do. We I have like an it. idea, but we don't really know.
2: Wow.
0: Love it. All right. So you have had such a positive impact from your school, whether it's been an academic impact, sports, um, extracurricular friendships. What impact do you hope to make on others?
3: The impact that I hope to make on others is that I just want people to know that it doesn't matter what anybody else says. If you truly like something, if you truly want to do something with your life, then it shouldn't matter what other people say. Because the second they get in your head, you get out. And then that kind of takes away the fun of doing whatever you're doing. So if I listen to people when they criticize my writing or what whatever they say, and it becomes not fun anymore, then there's no point. And so I want to be that positivity for other people. To say, hey, you can do this. You are good enough. Like, you need to keep going and keep fighting for what you want.
0: Being a cheerleader is definitely helpful for people to keep creating and keep making things. Absolutely.
2: So you have participated in your school district's gifted program. And through those years, you have been impacted by teachers, opportunities, and the curriculum. So tell us about your kind of gifted experience in school.
3: School always kind of came naturally to me. Like, I am really good at picking up on things after the first example. So when I'm done with the whole worksheet, the whole class is still on number three. Like, and that was always kind of something that I've always deal with and I still deal with. But going to ACT every single day, I remember, like, watching the second hand on the clock tick, waiting for flex. Just so I could go and be with people and socialize and do group projects. And it was always the best part of my day. Like I remember waking up being like, okay, I can get through math and then I can get to go to flex. And it was always the most fun thing that I've, like the whole day, it was like the highlight. And so I'm just glad that I had an experience like that when some people don't. that I got to go and be with people who are like me and who think like me. And we got to create something awesome. Like I have so many vivid memories from your class. Uh-huh. And it was just like, it, it will carry on with me for the rest of my life. And it's amazing.
0: So just so people understand our intra-school, what do
3: you call it, descriptions or coding, what is ACT or what is FLEX? It's like the gifted program. ACT is the program inside of FLEX, which is kind of this hour in your day where kids can get the help that they need. And so ACT was for always the quote unquote gifted kids for the kids who think differently and who need somebody else to help challenge them when school doesn't give that to them. And so going to ACT was always so fun because you never really did anything that didn't push you. It was always like you had to go and you had to try your hardest. And it was, it was hard at times, but it was also really fun because the projects were fun and the teachers made it fun. And it was just like the best part of my day, like I said. It just always made me happy.
0: Wow. Well, in this book by Judy Galbraith, The Survival Guide for Gifted Kids, does this look familiar? Did you ever read this? I don't think so. Okay. So she talks about the importance of gifted kids being put together so that you can be creating together, you can just relate together, socialize together. So you're saying that that was really important to you. Yes.
3: And still is. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what gave me my social skills that I have now. Like, I feel like I could go into a room of adults and be completely fine because I've had those experiences in my life where it's taught me how to communicate with other people.
0: And I'm noticing even right now, you have amazing social norms like great eye contact, (laughs) good facial expressions. Like, where do you feel like you've learned that just over the years, little by little?
3: Little by little. It was kind of something that I always worked on when I was younger. I would try and talk to people just because I'm also an extrovert. So being with people is always the most fun for me. I like to hang out. I like to have fun. And so like doing that with other people and showing that I care, that was something that was always super important to me. And so luckily I have parents who taught me how to be polite and respectful and have manners and things like that. And so I feel like that's also a huge part. Do you think that
0: those pieces have actually helped you increase your leadership
3: skills? Yes. I mean, I feel like it has, because how else are you supposed to lead a group if you can't talk to them, you know? <laughs> like, how are you supposed to guide them in the way that they need to go exactly. if you can't communicate? That's right. S-
0: Can you tell us a little bit about a leadership example or opportunity that you've had over the year or last year or any particular leadership?
3: The first one that comes to my head is in my lacrosse tournament that literally oh, happened a couple yeah. days ago. I play attack for anybody who knows what that means. It's basically you're the offense of the guide, and you have four people, including you, who are in your same position. And so I like to guide people in where I feel like they would be best. Like if you are lower. Like low attack, high attack, it's a whole thing. If you're high attack, you like to go up to the high restraining line and you carry the ball down and you pass and you score and stuff like that. Low attack, you have to be good at passing and catching to work it around the eight. And so I feel like putting people where I feel like they would be best fit and who they would work best together with, I feel like I do that constantly, whether I'm on attack or whether I go to defense or whenever I switch around. Awesome.
2: Sounds like you're a leader in (laughs) creativity, in academics, and in (laughs) athletics. You're an all-around.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Student leader. So, Elle, what advice would you give other students who want to find their passion and create something that could then inspire others?
3: You should try whatever you want to try first. If you actually enjoy that, and if you really want to do that with the rest of your time, like the rest of your life, you should do that and not let, going back to what I said earlier, not let anybody stop you from doing that. Because in your story, you are the main character and you should be able to push through any obstacle to get your happy ending.
1: Wow.
2: Well said. Very well said. (laughs) Well, Elle, thank you so much for being our guest today. You are truly an inspiration to anyone around you, no matter what age. I have been inspired today, that's <laughs> for sure. Uh, we are moved by your positivity, your enthusiasm, and your drive. So thank you for sharing your gifts and talents and how you discovered your passion for writing and you know just a little bit about leadership with us.
3: Thank you for having me. I had so much fun.
0: Thanks everyone for listening to another Adventures in Being Gifted episode. Make sure that you subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss
2: an episode. Join us again next time for more Adventures in Being Gifted.